0: Welcome to the Earthside Podcast with me, Lisa Masters. I'm an online birth mentor helping women make the bold choices they want for their births through conscious preparation. You can connect with me via my Instagram and Facebook, Earthside with Lisa Masters. Or find out about working with me to transform your birth at earthsidebirthservices.com.au. On this podcast, I talk with women who have committed to doing the work to transform their births and their lives, and we hear how their intimate and inspiring stories of birth preparation have shown up in their births and continued to even after. today's podcast, I talk with Gemma Coote. Gemma shares the story of her first unsupported birth that ended in Caesarean. She delves into her feelings of isolation during the following years and tells how she found healing during the preparation for her next birth. Gemma talks about how her healing led her to take back her power and make the system work for her, so her pregnancy and her next birth were on her own.
1: Hi, Jem. Welcome today. Hey, Lise. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with Uh, you.
2: Yes, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you and for you to share with us your birth stories and all of your learnings and journey along the way, because I know you have this innate wiseness and I can't wait for you to share it with us. So. Please tell us something about you and um, where your mothering
1: journey began. Okay. Well, something about me probably would be that, um, oh, gosh, where would you start? Um, <laughs> I think Boom. Me, yeah. Woo, I think for me, something that is paramount to me, is in this space and in any space really is value for connection. And that's something that I will always um, kind of draw on. So that's something that is a big part of me. It's intrinsic. I've made it a huge part of my life and outworking that with others. I am a youth worker and a qualified social worker. And I've, I've had the privilege and honour of um, journeying with people for the last 15 or so years. And my birth journey started with my first son, who's now uh, seven. Um, I was 27 or 28 years old at the time. And it was an intense time, an intense time. I thought, oh, yep, I'll educate myself. I'll get all the knowledge and wisdom that I need to prepare myself for this birth. I had a birth plan. I had a midwife. I'd written out what I wanted. Unfortunately for me on reflection, there was no way of me actually like, providing some application for that. and No one's kind of sat with me and talked me through certain processes that may or may not happen and what that would look like. And so that sat with me for a long time. So what I, what I was hoping for for that birth was a natural birth. I wanted one at home, but we'd kind of agreed that due to the fear and the risk-averse nature of birth in general, we kind of retreated to, like, hopefully natural birth in hospital. And then what transpired was I went into birth... Um, uh, sorry I went into labour naturally Um, and then a series of events occurred that felt absolutely out of my control where intervention after intervention was asked of me in a really challenging space to be in when you're labouring it's hard to kind of make decisions in that brain in that mode Um, and so I felt like a lot of the things that I desired and wanted for my birth quickly fell away and it became pretty adamant that I was no longer at the head of, of this and that the medical providers that were alongside me in the hospital were now making all the choices for me by trying to say that they were giving me choice, but they really were pursuing their own agenda and a lot of pressure on doing things. And so um, after about, I think it was probably 20 something hours. Can I, oh, can I just ask you then? Yeah. Yeah. Could you see that at the time or is that, reflection that you have now it's a bit of both and a great question to ask I knew that there was something going on here that I was incapable of articulating I knew that I what was happening I didn't like and was out of my control but I didn't know how to bring it back and to focus and center on the baby and me and the process Um, and and Troy didn't either Who's my husband so we were lost in this sea of medical Mm. interventions very quickly and so, on, you know, upon more reflecting, more so with you than myself, you know, I came to some other conclusions. But it took me a very long time, a very long time to, to move past that whole process of what actually occurred.
0: Because as mm. usual,
1: like when, like, things happen where you kind of put forward that you wanted a certain thing to happen and then it didn't happen, people kind of default to this, well, this statement around, and I'm sure you've heard it before, well, at least you got fill in the blank. Or at least you've got fill in the blank. At mm. least you had fill in the blank. And so that was very dismissive, um, very mm. dismissive. So would be like very. every time I tried to raise something off my pain, uh, people didn't know how to sit with that. People didn't know how to comfort me. People didn't even know how to say that sucked. And so probably for a good, you know, up until I um, was, was pregnant with Chelsea and started doing the work with Lise that I started to unpack a lot of that because what I'd found was that I had no one that I could kind of, flesh that stuff out with there was a deep wound there but what I'd learned is that people couldn't handle my pain so I couldn't raise it without someone kind of kind of crushing in on that and making their Mm. uncomfortableness more important than the ability to kind of explore it together and so I just learned to kind of push it down and kind of get on with things but I was so grieved for a long time and I uh, you know I think that I probably overcompensated for a good few years um, because I felt so sad for my son, that his entry to earth, you know, was one of um, a medical intervention and, and a really kind of stressful time. And something that hit me was that you were actually interested in the, not just in the pain, but the process and then how that left us feeling and not just me, but my husband Troy as well. And, and then how that had impacted me from, from birth to, you know, being pregnant again with, with Chelsea. And so, It was just like amazing because I I wasn't used to someone actually wanting to, you know, go there, go to that depth with me. So it was really lovely that you were able to do that and you did it in such a supportive, caring, loving way. And I think that that really provided a, a safe pathway for me to then journey into, okay, so if this happened to me then, what's the likelihood of that happening again? And then like journeying through all the, Uh, you you know you just constantly were able to bring me back to less of a what-if scenario and more like take your power back and you've got some ways and some strategies that you know we can work through together so that you know that kind of stuff and those kinds of processes don't have to be the same outcome for chills because I was so scared and so fearful that if we went to hospital again that they'd try to impinge all that stuff on me again my birth journey would be taken away from me and so mm. to have someone sit alongside me, sit with my discomfort and my pain and, um, and then help me move through that was a catalyst. I don't think my birth would have been what it, was, what it would have been if I wasn't able to move through, you know, that pain from, from Will's birth. So that was super important and super significant to me. And then moving through to having Chelsea, I was so adamant that I didn't want what happened happened before that I was really, really open to just being like a, you know, big sponge and sucking up everything that I could and then kind of taking ownership over my own learning and applying what Lisa and I were talking about so that it wasn't just something that was spoken about in a space that stayed static, but it was something that I could actually get tangible traction on and then move it into other spaces in my life so that I was being held accountable by my own strategies that, that Lisa and I were implementing. So that really geared me for releasing, again, a lot of those unmet needs that I'd had in Will's birth to then acknowledging a whole new sphere of like the ability that I could have and that I did have to birth a baby and to birth it well.
2: Do you want to go back to like how it unfolded in the remainder of your labor?
1: I loved the fact that I, I fell into labor naturally. That was great. And we were in connection with our midwife. And then it was quickly established this, um, you know, we'd go to hospital. So what was happening was I thought myself and the baby would lead the process. But what I quickly came to find was that we were on a time schedule and that because the stages of labour weren't progressing the way that they wanted them to, the questions started coming. And when you're in that mode of labour, you're not in your, you know, thinking mode, thinking brain. You're in like primal mode, just trying to get through every contraction and every kind of upheaval in your body so you know I was super scared super fearful I was like I don't really know what's going on with me and then I don't know why these people aren't allowing me to birth the way that I want to birth they keep asking all these questions I didn't want the questions I just wanted them to be there to help and so I think within like a couple of hours I was asked do I want my my water's burst and I was like oh I don't know about that like I don't want that and then I'm talking to my husband I'm talking to my mom and and uh, mum was in a perpetuated state of fear. She didn't like seeing me in any pain. So she's just like, just do what you need to do to get through this quickly, you know? And I was like, well, that's not helpful. Turning to Hoi and he's like, babe, whatever's going to be best for you, I'll support whatever decision you make. So although that was really lovely, that wasn't super helpful. And so all these heavy decisions were being left up to me. And I'm, you know, laying there on my back, legs up in the air, freaking mm. out. Um, and, and no one ever makes any good decision when they're scared. And when they're anxious mm. and when they're fearful. That's you know, in any space, in any capacity. And so it was like, oh, you know, like to hurry things up a bit, though those weren't medical terms, basically that's what I was hearing. And so it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, what other options do I have? Oh, well, if you keep going, then you know, there was just kind of like risk option after risk option after risk option. So they're really fear-mongering me into like doing and complying. Because I was on the time schedule and I didn't realise how bad it was until I actually got in there. And so once they'd, you know, burst the waters, that is when the real issues began. And and labor pretty much just stopped. Like I was still having contractions and the upheavals and we real was still that like moving around. But as for like, you know, and I'm doing the bunny ears, quote, progressing to the next age, that just didn't occur. And I think they interrupted the birth process so dramatically with just that one, that one element that it, that it really stunted everything else. And so we were on a downhill slip to falling way into like all the risk averse strategies that they want to implement with us. So they then from bursting out water, the waters, it was then, you know, we'll wait this long. And if this doesn't happen, they're going to have to do this. And if this doesn't happen, we're going to have to do this. And so like 12 hours straight was laid out before me. And that was just so overwhelming. It was way too much, mm. way too much to take in. So, so much for like, you know, journeying through with people and walking them through a process. It was just fear, anxiety, medical intervention we're controlling you we're going to get this done as quickly as possible you know all those kinds of things whilst keeping you know trying myself in a state of fear i did have i guess i did get to move around a bit but i didn't have anyone kind of there saying jen this is normal like the pain that you're feeling and explaining how the baby's moving in my womb and what my you know body's doing what the muscles are doing that just didn't happen that would have been so helpful for me to kind of have that and so it was really lovely when um side note, Lisa and I were able to actually do a real practical thing of, you know, this is what the body actually does. And then I looked at more things of, you know, how the head comes through the pelvis and, you know, all that. So you can visualize and do all that visualization. And I just didn't have it. I didn't have the tools I needed. So, you know, every few hours there was something new. So they ruptured the waters. And then um, because bub wasn't progressing the way that they wanted then they wanted to um, take more blood. They couldn't get a vein because I was so dehydrated. Whilst this was happening, I reckon the most intrusive and disgusting medical practice I had was the continual, it wasn't even encouragement; it was just really assertively telling me that they needed to do this, of like checking my dilation. And so Mm. I was saying, no, I don't want you to do that. It's painful. And they would argue with me to coerce Mm. me into letting them do it. And so I can remember at least six times throughout this whole process, I'm in a lot of pain and I kept saying, Troy, I don't want them to, I don't want them to, it's so painful. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. We both felt powerless in the situation and they just kind of kept on going. And it was just so disempowering to not have your voice heard uh, with someone sticking their fingers up when it's so painful. Well, yeah, it was painful, but at least if we got an outcome out of that, it could have somehow traded that pain off for an outcome. But the very fact that every time she did it, it was just like, oh, well, we can't tell how far you've dilated. And more in a powerless position because it was like, well, what was the point in you doing that anyway? You just caused me more pain. Oh, I'm so sorry. How horrific. It was, yeah, it was really upsetting and distressing. And then because they couldn't get the dilation, that was another reason they got the doctor off because the midwives had then become flustered. What was missing the whole time was this belief in my ability to birth. That's huge. And that's a reflection now that I can look back and go, that's something that would have really helped me at the time. I knew there was stuff in me, but also in my environment, that I didn't have people looking at me like I could do this. Troy, I could understand because this was huge for him, for him to even be in the room. Mum was petrified the whole time. She didn't believe that I could do it. She she was just too scared of her own stuff and her insecurities and all the rest of it, so that wasn't helping. And then I had people just not talking to me like I was like a human, like you can do this and I'm doing great and, you know, encouragement, affirmation, my ability to birth, it was just completely, just completely not a part of the picture, not a part of the journey at all. And I think that's huge. And so then I've got a, I've got midwives talking. They're not necessarily talking to me. So I kept asking Troy, like, what are they talking about? Um, what's going on? And he couldn't always hear. And so then when they chatted between themselves, they'd give us a snippet of what they'd been talking about, which again, I didn't like. And then it was about six to eight times that they tried to take blood. And so this was after about, I don't know, 15 hours of labor, 20 hours of labor. It was nighttime. I remember that. And I was on my back. They made me stretch out my arms. This lady was just incessant like six times. Can you imagine having someone with a needle trying to get blood from both the arms six to eight times in the space of like three minutes? So I remember taking my blood. This doctor said to me really quite clearly, you know, you're not going to have any other option. We're going to have to do a cesarean. And then I got my epidural, even just, you know, the option of having the epidural, that was all like fear-mongering because it was like, oh, they're here now, so they can do it now. But if you don't get it done now, then you'll have to wait another six hours. You know, are you going to be able to last that long? And again, that belief to birth wasn't there. Highlighting the risk versus highlighting my strength, you know, that was a huge deal. And so, you know, continuing to track me in this positions of, you know, being at something for 20-plus hours, exhausted, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. So eventually just kind of went with having an epidural which was the last thing I wanted and so then I had this visual having contractions of the whatever his name is putting the needle into my spine and I just felt super sick and then also you have this pressure of like not moving like don't you dare move um which was you know how do you do that when you're laboring so you know that was lucky I guess I didn't move so I didn't you know hurt myself And then I felt the coldness because he's, he's, I remember him saying, you're going to feel a coldness and then you're going to feel like energy come back to you, which I did. And then I just started jibber jabbing the whole time because I hadn't really been in that mind and this dulled all the pain and all the senses. Then very quickly, people moved very quickly to explaining a lot of complex things to me about having a caesarean very quickly because they were worried I was at risk. And then, yeah, there was this just flurry of staff coming into our room prepping me for surgery, asking me if I had any questions. I feel like every other five minutes people were asking me if I had any questions. Well, I was like, well, it was too late by then because they'd already decided that this was what was going to happen to me. So yeah, it was all kind of taken away from me. And, and even the way that I had to have my cesarean, I wasn't allowed to see my son come out of my stomach. Um, So I wasn't even able to see him birthed. They very quickly, gave me a two second, I wouldn't even say two second, a one second, the nurse held him high above the screen that they have, didn't tell me she was doing it, she just kind of yelled out, here's your baby, and then like moved him on. While they were doing it, it was really lovely, the anaesthetist was like in my ear kind of saying, you know, they're doing this now, Gem, they're doing this now, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, so that was okay, at least I knew what was happening somewhat. After they took him out of me, they didn't tell me what they were doing. So I was like, well, where's my baby? I want to hold my baby. And I'm saying to Troy, get over there and ask them for our baby. And he's like, oh, I don't. they're doing the medical things. I said, I don't give a, f-. you know, like, I don't care what they're doing. I want to see our baby. And so he didn't even know he could move into that space because he still felt like that was their space, even though they were holding our baby. So I think he felt really disempowered because he didn't know where he stood with where his rights were. And so eventually he kind of went over and he said Will was blue and, you know, um, they had oxygen on him. and But there was no... There was no worry there, but he was, yeah, he came out crying as babies do and I couldn't feel anything. So it took a while for the feeling to come back to my legs and chest and all that sort of stuff. So holding Will for the first time for me was actually really difficult because I was laying on my back. They'd bundled him up so hugely with blankets that it was awkward to kind of get him. And so I had to have Troy help me hold him. I said that I wanted skin to skin, but that didn't happen. So, you know, all the things... Yeah. So all of that was uh, kind of taken away from me and I was just really sad. I mean, I was ecstatic that I was past the point where they could then control me. Like once we was out, I was like, great, you know, we can kind of take it from here. I mean, when I talk about it now, there's no emotion attached to it cause I did all that work with you. So it doesn't, mm. it doesn't distress me and upset me to the point where, you know, I'm lingering on it for the next week. I still think mm. about it. I still reflect on it. Cause you know, I still have to keep myself accountable that I don't get go back to that really negative space I think that's something that maybe all of us that have had caesareans that weren't our choice, that were risk averse, maybe have as part of our journey. And it's, it's just the, I think the ongoing work that we have to do to keep ourselves accountable in those spaces. When we think about our birth, not to fall into feeling defeated and helpless, but knowing that, you know, as basic things as, you know, I didn't know what I knew now. And if I did, then I would have done things different. Um, and just giving yourself that power back and that, and that self-care and that love that you needed that you didn't get at the time, it Mm. needs to have validation and recognition. And I think that Mm. we move too quickly. You know, my observation, you know, is that when we get to vulnerable and really difficult and challenging spaces that, you know, the default is to always just beat ourselves up. And I don't know where that comes from. I feel like there's some self-preservation there, but it's also, I feel like it's also this fear that keeps us trapped to if we move to the to the deeper space that it would even in in, um, entrench the fact that we were at fault because we had no one else there kind of challenging the process for us. Mm. So I think to have someone to come in alongside journey with is the way to dismantle all that, that can reflect back. Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. And, and reflect back and invest in and build in that, Hey, you know, there were some structural things that were at play here. There were some things here that they could have done better. They didn't treat you and care for you the way that you should have been. You know, so having those validations are so important for women, I think, that have, that have been pushed into cesareans when they didn't want to and they mm. didn't feel that they needed to. So I think um, mm. Mm, I know it's uh, so much wisdom there and I uh,
2: appreciate <laughs> you. I really appreciate you teasing that out because these are, complex nuanced conversations that we deserve to be having, but that it's hard to find that space because of so many kind of knee jerk reactions that we have to these discussions and um, this, this what you're bringing forward right now is uh, I can feel it in my chest. It's you know, it's
1: yeah. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. It's huge. Mm. It's huge. And that's why I think it needs the space. Instead of saying, no, that was too hard, let's not revisit it, which ultimately just leads us back to that, back to our, um, a holding pattern because it'll come up in other parts of our lives. You don't want to recognize mm. the place of trauma and pain in the space that actually happened. Your body goes, okay, can't deal with it there. So put that bit on pause. But unfortunately, we've got all this pent up stuff. It's going to have to be released somehow. So that might be in the way that you communicate. It might be the way that you regulate your emotions. It might be the way that you you know, handle certain things, your relationships, you know, all that stuff, your own thought processes, your own self-talk. It's got to, the pain has to go somewhere. It just doesn't go into the ether. Um, and so. Mm, I think- <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you.
2: So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. You've birthed Will with this cesarean. Yes. You're, you're back in control with this. Yeah. With he's out. You're in control. Now what? Yep.
1: yep. And I think it was just I, oh, it was so lovely just being able to hold him. But I remember so many weeks just saying, just feeling sad and saying, sorry to my son. Sorry that you didn't get there. And no one walked me through that. I tried sharing with Troy. He couldn't get there on many reasons, not because he didn't want to. I just think he couldn't. It wasn't a place that he knew how to help me with or walk me through. I think we were both going through our own kind of journey of what actually occurred there. And so, yeah, I was sad for a very long time. So there was this like pull on me like to be super happy that I had a healthy, you know, baby. And that's what everyone kept saying to me, just be happy and healthy, just be happy that you've got a, you know, happy, healthy boy. And what else is there to be sad about? And I'm like, oh, yep. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. what what do you do with that? Like, I mean, you can either, you know, advocate the point, but people will still just then even further, like, dump on you. Like, well, there's people that have lost their babies and people this and that. and then you oh, just think, oh, and my it's God.
0: not, like, yeah.
2: Like, and uh, it's not going to be a useful conversation space for you, right? If they're already telling you that you're not supposed to have these emotions, there's nothing in it for you. Yeah. To have, yeah. But unfortunately, it's a very rare person that isn't going to say those things in this, society we live in
1: absolutely absolutely and so i think yeah the journey i think i we just built connection slowly the best way i knew how and he was able to just bless me so much with his personality and um his smiles and uh, we connected and connected and as i focused and invested more time in connecting with him from like that zero to four age which was so beautiful i found the ability to somehow release slowly some of the pain that I might have inflicted on him um, and myself. Mm. Um, It was the beginning of a a very slow journey. Um, And I think that that, that's kind of how I I dealt with it. I had to compartmentalise a lot of it because I had no one that could sit with me. Like I said, there was no one I could turn to that could sit with me with the discomfort because people just keep defaulting back to this. At least you've got fill in the blank. And so... Mm. You just learn to kind of have to kind of suck eggs really and just kind of move on the best you can. So that's what we did. And um, I did try to, I thought that I, you know, to progress, I'd get a release of information and like I'd want to see all the notes that they, you know, took of me because I was so unhappy with my treatment. But for some reason, I didn't feel I was able to follow through with that as angry and frustrated as I was um, for a long time. Um, there was something there that just kind of stopped me. And I, now looking back, I think it was the fear of, of coming up against such a big structure. And also, you know, Troy said something like, you know, Jim, do you really want to know what they wrote about you? Would that be, would that be something you want to read? And I think you might've said the same thing when we were talking about this as well. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think about it like that. Do you really think if that's how your birth went? that
2: any follow-up with them is going to give you... Are they suddenly going to turn into these comforting people who give you what you need? Not being provided with what you needed to make decisions, suddenly are we going to go back after the fact and then suddenly these people are going to turn on a dime to be these other people that
1: are going to provide what you need? I think what we do is we... When it goes really, really wrong, we want closure. And whatever that looks like, we crave it and we want we desperately grasp its straws, in the hope that someone can say, yeah, what was done wasn't right. Or, you know, this is the justification as to why this mm-hmm. happened. And you don't have anything else in your mind set apart from those kind of two ultimatums. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I didn't even think about all the other things that we've talked about, you know, that they weren't there for me. So why would they be there for me in that space? you know, how could they be supportive in walking me through what actually happened when they couldn't do what was actually happening? You know, that doesn't cross your mind. I you just so, you become so desperate for, is it approval? Is it um, acknowledgement? Is it validation? Is it recognition? Is it closure? Uh, what is it? I, is it, a, you know, it's all those things really. And mm. so I think in the end I just let it lapse. And then at some point during my pregnancy with Chelsea, I did have access to those notes because they liaised with the Bunbury Regional Hospital and I was able to see what they wrote about me. Um, But because I'd done the work, it was like, "Ah, that's disappointing and it was a little aggravating. But if I'd read those back then, when I'd had, oh, that would have been so, you know, heart-soul-destroying. Because Mm -hmm. just words like failure to progress And, you know, all these medical terms that they think are okay and normal and standardised, they're actually quite damaging because they imply really at the end of the day that you weren't good enough. Couldn't get the job done, so we had to step in and do it for you. You know? It's like Mm. it's It's, it's as simple as they see it. You know, you couldn't get there, you couldn't do it, so we had to step in. It was our duty to step in. You were unable to blah, 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 blah in the medical terms, whatever they want to use and whatever risk that they wanna to use to justify that. So we were compelled to implement these, these um, strategies to get your birth. So I think that system is a broken system like we've talked about. And well, these days I like to say, I think it works how it works. Well, it really does. And I, but I, what I like is that the more that the, you're able to, and birth mentors like you, Lisa, are able to journey with women, the more that they have the capacity to not only believe in themselves but push away the structural systems that, that come to, you know, take away our choices and our freedom in the name of risk and what's best for us, what they think is best for us and take that power back and go, no, you will no longer actually dictate that to me. I will dictate to you what is going to be best for me and my baby and my family. And that's what I did through Chelsea's pregnancy, which was so great. <laughs> way it was kind of like revenge. Like it wasn't the same hospital, but it was the same system that was still trying to get at me. Because through Will's pregnancy, I did all the things and all the scans, and you know, I asked constant questions about why does it have to be so many scans and why do I have to do this and the glucose tests and blah blah blah. And it it all came back to the fact that they knew better than me and that these systems were created so that they could look after women better. And when I tried to come against that, they would just default back to what they'd said before. And I was like, this conversation goes nowhere. It's very circular. And so. It was very fun. <laughs> Once I got my head around that I actually had the power and they did not, and that I didn't actually have to buy into the fear uh, that I could actually create my own and implement my own birth path through pregnancy. That was like revenge in itself really, which I quite enjoyed. Because I remember one time I texted you or I rang me I was in tears. I'd seen somebody and they'd sent something to me. I can't remember what happened and I was so distraught. And we worked that through. And I think from that conversation, I was like, this is just not going to, like I had to draw a line in the sand because of the experience that I'd had before, there was some responsibility on me to make a change myself and to apply some different strategies to walk through a process that I knew was going to try and dictate to me what was best for me. When in fact that was proven to me not to be the case. And we see this play out with all women through their birth journeys where our medical professionals will take a stand and, and they'll, you know, position themselves to be the one that is the expert. It's, it's, it's not helpful. It's not supportive. You might get the odd one that might kind of buy into you being the you know master of your own universe kind of thing. But I think they're like Hen's teeth. Mm-hmm. And so I really quite enjoyed going on the journey, um, discovering that I was actually capable. I did actually have the ability. And I think for me, Going to that space was huge because I didn't think I had the ability because they told me that I didn't. The documentation and the discharge forms told me that I couldn't. My mum stood there over me and told me that I, I couldn't do it and just to hurry up and get it done so it was as less painful as possible. And so I felt like I had so many people telling me I couldn't. And I'm that kind of, I'm that kind of woman that tells me, oh, well, if, you, you know, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to prove you that I can. And so there's a lot of that as well. And I found a lot of strength in in the resources that you gave me in the books that I was reading and really giving myself such a better education, knowing the questions that I needed to ask, working them through with you, going to those spaces of what if and the fear spaces, working them through again and again and again, some of them were on repeat until I really got a good sense of how I was going to sit with this in my mind. And so then when it came to it, I felt more prepared than what I did with Will you know, just practising, I think practising visualisations and I think the self-talk has to change because in the self-talk that also changes the the thought patterns and the thought, thought cycles that you might have had before. Oh, I just noticed once
0: you
2: stepped into very clearly the space that said, oh, I, I do actually know best for myself. Yeah do you actually care the most about this baby than anybody else? You were like a force to be reckoned with. It wasn't a space that said, I reject all offers of your care. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't that. It wasn't, I'll take all offers of your care. It was, which offers suit me? Which offers yep. feel right to me? And suddenly you had this compass that was so strong and so centred around you and you just, that was it then. That was like, now I know how to make decisions because now I'm at the centre. And and you're right, it, it was like that one conversation, I still <laughs> remember it, and, and it was, you went from, this is all going to happen again, they're, they're taking charge. And then the shift that happened in that, conversation was no hang on i'm in charge yeah yeah and and it never and it never wavered it was like that pivotal that was pivotal because you wanted it to be you wanted to be in charge but you didn't you weren't in the space and then you just were like you know what I'm either going to do it or I'm going to live the same story and I'm not living the same story. So I'm going to be doing it. And then you were, and then it was, it was almost as simple and as hard as that in that moment. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Bang on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having you there to like realign me at times where I felt like I was faltering. And then I remember after that, those texts where I was damaged by some of the conversation and then moving forward, then I could laugh at these people that were trying to tell me what they knew was best for me because I knew that, it was all based on risk and it was um, generalizations and it wasn't individual care. It was, it was based on worst case scenarios. And I thought, you don't know me. You don't know my story. Um, and, and the support wasn't there. And the more that they tried to force me into their box, the more that I resisted. And I really loved how you kept, you kept it really real by saying, you know, what are you going to do with the options that you presented with? Cause I'll just keep presenting more and more options. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? And I think that's very empowering, very empowering because I think going into Will's pregnancy, it was like they, the doctors and everyone else, they know best. I do not, I'm not the expert. Therefore I can't have any mastery of what's going on with me. What a load of rubbish. Like I look back on that and I just think, wow, we just so easily fall into this thing where we want people to, like when we enter a space where we don't know what we're doing, we're looking at people that are the experts because they'll obviously tell us. And in the telling, they'll care and they'll provide the support that we need. And that's just not real life. <laughs> that's but, but just that not is, real but, life. Well, but that is real
2: life because we've been conditioned our entire lives to not be the experts of ourselves, to defer. Mm. And you so, right? you know, this. we're not falling into these spaces of being told what to do for the first time in our lives. That, no, for the most of us, is our lives mm. and actually relearning or learning for the first
1: time that we can be in charge is radical. Absolutely. It really is. It is absolutely radical in all that term and how it's defined. And I think what's funny is that they don't expect the pushback because they think that they sit in that position of power. Mm. And so many women so easily fall prey to it, like I did. I think I was able to realise that once I'd stepped into that space that these people no longer had power over me to choose, that I was free to choose and that I was always free to choose. I just didn't know that that option was available to me because of the language that was used towards me, like this is best practice, this is what's going to be best for you. And you just kind of automatically think, oh, okay, well then that's what you're saying, then that's what must be the truth, right? (laughs) Because there's this assumption that um, healthcare providers you know, will, you know, provide some level of care and concern and support for you, which I think on a level is true, I mm. just don't think that they know any better uh, and it's all through their their language so I think once I stepped into that space um, and then owned it it just gave me such a sense of purpose as well that I could I could again be in a, in a zone where I was moving towards the birth that I was hoping for with Will but now that I had this opportunity again I was actually I had the strategies and tools to address the communication interactions I was having with the medical staff that I'd fallen down before with that um, I knew different now and that I could, I could absolutely have more control over those interactions. and and also to be prepared that they're going to, they're going to defend their position. They're going to justify their position. So what was I going to do when they did that? I think that was really powerful. Not just kind of busting in there and being like, guns blazing but you know they didn't they, there could be some humility and some genuineness in the way that I responded to these people mm. I didn't have to I didn't have to act out of hurt and defensiveness mm. because then then that would be you know linking back to although justified how I was Will, but but just being able to be mindful and be present in my moment with my baby and how it was going to roll and that these people were going to have some level of interaction, but I was going to be in control of the level of interaction that they were actually going to have with me. Being at the centre like
2: that, it's it's a whole different story, isn't it? And people react
1: differently too. I think absolutely, and I think it also takes the sh- like it, it it takes the shame off from your previous decisions.
0: Mm. I think there's a level
1: of that as well, mm, because you're no so longer walking in mm. that in that um, previous space. You're able to manoeuvre and navigate in a way that is best for you and baby because you're operating from a completely different space now that, yeah, you, there's
2: almost this forgiveness of self.
1: Yes. Whilst empowering yourself, it's odd, but it, it kind of like works in parallel. Yeah. Um, yeah I see yeah. it too.
2: I see it. Yeah. I see it a lot in that journey of healing and you know, and it's something that I saw in myself too.
1: Yeah. I think it's important to be able to let the shame go, like to to put mm. it down to no longer to no longer let it arm you and be part of your armour, but to but to allow yourself the space that you didn't know what you knew now back then, and that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it's okay. okay. And I'm going to
1: forgive myself for the things yes. that I didn't know. Yes. I'm going to so treat those parts of myself that were wounded by other people, but also by my own um, inability to believe in myself. And however that looked, and however that outworked itself, and now moving forward, how was that? You know what am I going to do, and how am I going to interact with these people that are going to tell me they think that they know what's best, with all the work that I've done to manage the mm-hmm. previous trauma that happened, and I think once you've made a bit of sense of that, you just—it's a step by step process. I don't—I've never thought that going to these vulnerable spaces with people, birth or not—is um, there's no quick way to jump to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to trudge through each each level, um, and each level has its own. Challenges and strengths and um, highlights and focus areas and just staying in that state of reflection so that you can move yourself forward in each space rather than feeling like you're dragged back by by your shame and your disappointment and your grief. But you can actually handle that and sit with that and allow that part of you that wasn't given that TLC. Sometimes I've even visualized just like holding my hands out and holding that little part of me just holding space for myself because I think we look to people a lot to help us do that. And I think there's a huge space for that. I mean, without you least there's, there's no doubt in my mind that this wouldn't have worked the way it did, but when you gave me certain tools, I was able to then run myself with, um, yes, doing some of that work for myself. So is that like part of your work is empowering women to be able to hold space for ourselves. And I really realized this in the end, I think it was the last month I finally put up posters in the lounge room because that's where I was spending a lot of my time with just empowering statements that I could look at. I had them on my phone. I had them in the lounge room and it was just like, it was all, it all came together. It all kind of all the loose ends that I thought would never come together, came together and it played out in a way as such that the body just knows. And, you know, I never wanted to go to hospital with Chelsea. That was something again that we did. Cause I think there was some fear potentially on Troy's part that things might not go, you know, like that, what if, space but I think I was confident that I could get this done um -hmm. I could I could walk my journey and that the baby would would shape a lot of that too Uh, and so also giving the baby space I think as well I I didn't really know how to connect with Will in the womb and I think with the work I did with you I was able to feel like I connected with Chelsea in the womb Mm -hmm. and then even in those last powerful stages of labor where she was really just like (laughs) <laughs> challenging me i was i don't know if this sounds silly but in my mind i was saying to her babe i just need you to can you just give me another 30 seconds so i can catch my breath i know you're keen to come and i want you to come but i just need a woo you know and then i felt her like kind of go back up my body a bit like um that that pressure. Wow. so it was just huge that it was like i felt like we had these little chats going on these connections yeah. even in those last moments and then finally I just kind of gave way to my. It was like that full like caution to the wind, you know. Your vagina's probably stretched as much as it's gonna be anyway, mate. So just like let's go with it. <laughs> and then she came out, and and I love the way that you describe it, and I also love the way that Troy describes it because it's like you saw the first part and he saw the back part where she like flipped, did this like flip, and I was like, oh gosh, you know. And since she's come out, that she is that is just like a lovely representation of of a part of her personality where she's just like, go, go, go. She's gung-ho. She's ready to engage. She's ready to play. She's ready to, you know, always on the go. And that was exactly how she was in labour. And I love that I was able to share that with her um, in that space to just realise that probably my daughter was going to be probably like me, (laughs) very determined and very like, you know, nothing is going to hold me back to allow her to, to be who she's going to be. So uh, I think that was really lovely, um, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And I think also it was just like that point where we realised I wasn't actually, you know, I remember you holding, trying to hold me up in like gym. I you sure you don't want to go to hospital. I you sure you don't want to go to hospital. I sure. And I was like, least I literally cannot get myself. I couldn't <laughs> even get my shorts on. There was no <gasps> way I was going to be able to get out the door. And, like, it's my favourite. Yeah,
2: you are, I, I walked in, you said, I'm going to hospital. And I said, okay, maybe put some pants on. And then, you know, th- there was no putting pants on. You were like, no. I'm not putting pants on. I'm birthing a baby. Okay then,
1: let's roll.
2: <laughs> so true.
1: It was so funny. It's because I had built with you a belief in myself that I had began in my journey with Will and that I had walked out in my journey with Chelsea. And so I think if that wasn't there, um, I thought, I think I would have given into the fear. I think, um, I think we're as women, we're afraid to kind of build ourselves up because we're, you know, we, we need to be meek and mild and we need to serve everyone else's um, needs before our own. And, you know, and that is ingrained in us. I remember my mum always like, you know, serving everybody else before herself and she just end up with the shit bits Um, And that was seen as humility. That was seen Mm. as good servanthood. Um, And it's taken a lot of energy in my mind and my heart to actually change that around and be like, and with my own help that I've got over the years, is that this idea of I'm adding new matter and that infiltrating Mm. my whole life that actually, you know, our needs as mothers and as women and as birthing women are just as important as the people around us. And we shouldn't have to shrink ourselves to fit what other people think that is they think is best for us or you know to suit other people's needs or to like be fear that you know if we show that part of ourselves that you know we'll be disapproved of or being seen Mm. as you know the woman that's you know just actively rebellious or doesn't want to comply or you know all those things which once you can get past all of that I think it's a it's a fairly you just kind of step into your own but the work is in the transformation that's for sure there's no it's never about the destination it's always about the journey (laughs) Absolutely, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I know we didn't go into detail of Chelsea's birth, but I feel like what you <laughs> shared about it is, is the detail that was needed because it's about, yeah, beautiful share. So I guess this might be a good place to finish up, but is there, <laughs> any, is there anything else that you would like to
1: share um, before um, we go? Mm. it's been so lovely being able to unpack and explore this with you, Elise. And I hope that the women that are listening, I just want to encourage you and affirm you that you are who you need to be in the space. And if you do the work and go digging in yourself, go deep, don't be afraid to go deep. There's some unmet needs there in you. Once you can nurture those unmet needs in you, the power will come back to you and you will feel the power come back to you. And in that power, you'll be able to walk out the path that you want to walk out and no longer see yourselves as having to fit this model that doesn't suit us in any way. And then your ability to choose, I think, will be based on that. And I'm happy for you, any anyone to like call me and, and talk to me, or if you know you want to ask Lisa to talk with me, or however, if you've got worries and fears and you don't know what it looks like to go from a cesarean to a back to a free birth which is essentially what happened for me I'd be more than happy to you know talk you through that however I can support and just as a, a wrap up having someone walk through that journey with you will also I think empower you and Lisa is one of those people that is able to do that with you she's really big on giving you the legs to do it yourself once you feel like you're in that space and providing a hell of a lot of support on so many levels and creating connection with you that you might not have even, it might, it might even be foreign to you, but go with it, go with that process because there is so much gold nuggety goodness in there that you will get (laughs) from your relationship and connection with Lisa. You'll be able to impact not only your own journey in birth, but then throughout. So yeah, that's probably, probably, I could say more, uh, but I'll stop it there.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for coming to this conversation, sharing what came to you from your own digging deep. I really appreciate it because I think there's so much to learn from the women who've come before us. And I love what you've shared and, your generosity in continuing to offer that sharing out and and the generosity with which you speak about me i'm uh well it's true thank you (laughs) thank you that's really kind and you know for me i i am just humbled by the by the connections i get to create with amazing women like you who get to live these these journeys through, through birth and life. So thank you um,
0: mm.
1: so much. Honoured honored both ways. I think I feel honored uh, that you were able to come alongside and it sounds like you were the same. So definitely. it's a mutual. mutual. <laughs> it is,
2: it, it totally is. That's right. We're walking together. So yeah. um, thank you so much, Jim.
1: Thanks, Lise. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm so happy you could join us. If you would like to know more about how to transform your birth, you can connect with me via my Instagram, Earthside with Lisa Masters. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it in your stories and tag me. That's all for now. Until next time.